I'm Cameron Harold, the founder of the Second in Command podcast. Really quick, before we jump into today's episode, you need to know about two important ways that we can help you and your company grow. Number one, check out the COO Alliance. It's for COOs, presidents, VP ops, or whoever is your company's second in command to the CEO. The COO Alliance is the world's leading community for the second in command, and it gives COOs the tools and connections to grow themselves and the company. Head over to COOalliance.com to learn more about our members and the results, the program, and our 10x guarantee. If you qualify for membership, you can set up a complimentary call with our team to discuss if it's right for you. I'll tell you about number two in a bit, but first, let's start this week's episode. For me, I've always looked at my job as a leader is to grow the skills and the confidence of my employees. The more I grow their confidence, the more they'll grow their skills. The more they grow their skills, the more it grows their confidence. The more like I'm like trying to ladder them up. So I just keep investing in giving them the skills at all areas of their job. Again, that invest in your leaders course. There's a, a module on meetings. There's a module on interviewing. Like every all these managers do job interviews, but they've never been trained on how to do an interview. Of course, you get shitty employees if you don't know how to interview them. Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Ever found yourself yearning to paint a clear picture of your company's future? One that not only draws in the right talent and resources, but also propels you confidently towards your aspirations? Well, today, I'm diving deep into the art of crafting a vivid vision for your business. Throughout this episode, I'll unveil how this concept can mold your organization's culture, magnetize the right talent, and set you on a trajectory of unparalleled success. Some of the topics I'll cover are crafting that perfect, vivid vision for your enterprise the pivotal role of core values in sculpting your company's culture, the secret to magnetizing the right talent and partners with your vision, why a well-articulated vivid vision can be your business's superpower, the overlooked element in many mainstream business strategies, and trust me, there's so much more in store. Let's get started. Hello, this is Jake Senzio, host of the Jake and Gino podcast. You're my co-host, the multifamily mentor, the coach, chef, father, six, best-selling author, the G-Daddy. Gino Barber, Gino, how's it going? Mr. Stenziano, doing great. How are you doing today? Always making it happen, big man. Our guest today had 14 employees by the age of 21. He has been a top business consultant for over 20 years and is the mastermind behind hundreds of companies' growth, including 1-800-GOT. So without further ado, Cameron Harold, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It is our pleasure. Um, what did you learn from that first entrepreneurial venture and having 14 employees at the age of 21? What did I learn? You know, one of the biggest lessons I learned was that it needs to get done, but not by me. And the second one was that being an entrepreneur was about having the free time to do what I wanted as much as it was about making money. Because I was making more money than all of my friends who were working for me by a long shot. But I also got to play golf in the middle of the day and do what I like to do when I wanted to do it. And I really learned at a young age that being an entrepreneur was about that free time. The harder part for me, the the lesson that I had to unlearn was I was able to do a lot of stuff. And so I tended to do it and I needed to learn to delegate quickly. And once I started to learn that, that it needs to get done, not by me, 
that was pretty powerful. Cameron, I, I don't know where to go with this interview. I've got vivid vision. I've got your meeting socks. I've got so many questions I could ask you, but something just popped up. Where do you learn to become an entrepreneur? Because it's not something they teach in school. I mean, were you born an entrepreneur? Did you have great uh, peers? You know, where do we start? It's funny. I, I, I just sent a note on Facebook two days ago to the founder of College Pro Painters, where I started really my real entrepreneurship journey. Greg Clark started it in 1971. The company just shut down after 50 years this year. Wow. And uh, I sent him a note. Saying it was my real world MBA. And I really learned everything about, I ran a franchise for them for three summers. And then I worked for the head office recruiting and hiring and training franchisees for four years. That's where I learned it was, was at College Pro Painters and running a business for them and being trained and, and being so scared that I was going to fail that I just followed everything in the manual. Um, and, it, and it really put me in good stead. Now, when I read a business book, if I'm going to read it, I'm going to do what it tells me. Whereas so many people read the book and they don't do anything in it. I've always just followed the really good thought leaders and kind of rip off and duplicate. So that was the big one for me. But then secondary, I was groomed as an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur. And both sets of grandparents were entrepreneurs. Mm. So we grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My brother and my sister and myself have all been our own companies for between 15 and 25 years. So I'm a W-2 employee. I, you know, at Jake and Gina, we teach individuals and students how to become multifamily entrepreneurs because it's not just buying and investing in real estate. You need to really run the business. What's the first thing that they need to do? Let's say they're not from an entrepreneurial background. I know the education. We talk about education sure. times action equals results. What should they start doing with their mindset? I mean, books. Give me a book before Jake asks you at the end of the show. What, where should they start? Double Double is going to give them all of the best mm. systems and tools that I've used to grow all the companies for sure. The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs is great for anybody in that needing to have the mindset and the, the kind of some of the base methodologies is good. But but let me let me tell you two things that I think are really important for anybody who's starting out in the entrepreneurial journey. The first one is it's not about working hard. It's about working smart. And we've all seen that fly trying to get out the window, right? Working hard, banging its head on the window all day. But if it would step back and take a look, there's a door just over here that's wide open. Just turn and go out the door. So look for the shortcuts. Look for the cheat sheets. You know, I was the stupid kid in university. I can pull out my transcript and show you. I got C minuses. D pluses in every course in high school and college. So I wasn't the smartest kid in the room, but I was the one that found the cheat sheets. I was the one that found the shortcuts to get an okay grade and momentum created momentum. So it's not about anything being perfect. It's about getting it. I call it minimum viable everything. Get the flyer done and out the door. Get the podcast interview done and recorded and out the door. Get the sales call done and out the door, but learn from everything that you're doing to make it a little bit better. If you try to perfect everything, it takes too long. It's it's a really great point because we see a ton of multifamily investors, and there's really two types. There's one that sits on the sidelines. They may educate themselves a lot, and then there's people that do deals. But you know what we haven't seen? Someone that's been in it for a while that's just one, done one deal because it's not rocket science. So you have sort of this, this fence-sitter crowd that just – continually analyzes, but they never take that action. And I don't know if they think it's a pie in the sky or it's a belief thing or a mindset. And then there's other group that they get a deal done. And then within six months, they have another one and then continue to stack on that. Can you speak to where that comes from? Yeah. Well, and I was just thinking about where it comes from is that the momentum creates momentum. So when you do a deal, it, it creates the learning next deal going. The other part that's key to learn is we don't, the school system fucked us up, frankly. 
The school system taught us to memorize everything, be the smartest kid in the class. Try I can't remember kids. shit. That's why I was terrible. It, it right. did not serve me at all. Right. At all. Yeah. So what we need to unlearn is, no, we don't have to know how to do everything. We have to find someone to do the things. So when I started my house painting business, I didn't know how to paint houses. So I hired a guy for two weeks, Campbell Robertson, who I sent a note to him on Facebook today. He just became a grandpa. And I sent him a photo of him from 25 years ago, no, from 30 years ago, painting. Congrats, Campbell. <laughs> 1986, whatever the hell that is, 35 years ago. Um, Campbell Robertson came and trained my first five employees because I didn't know how to train them, but he did. So I hired him. He trained my guys. Was it perfect? I don't know, but it was way better than I could do. So we got it done and then we improved and it we, like that momentum created momentum. But it was the fear of failing that hiring someone to just get it done instead of me trying to learn. I'm still terrible at painting houses. That's what I was going to ask you, because here's the thing I was talking about with Gino this weekend. One of my biggest fears is that if a, if a customer came in to one of our property management offices, I don't know how to lease right now. I don't even know how to use software at that level. And it scares the shit out of me. But as long as you know how to find someone who can lease. Yes. Like, yes. If you Thank say God. to me, come and paint my house. I could say, I can get your house painted. I can't paint it. I mean, I could, but I would suck at it. Yeah. I could find a painter in 15 minutes, right? And I could get it done. And I could deliver it on time and on budget. So the key is, as entrepreneurs, is to delegate everything except genius. To find the two or three things that give you the most energy and do more of that. And then delegate the other stuff. If you like selling, sell. If you don't like selling, hire a salesperson. You know, I've got two salespeople that work for me right now. They're 100% commission. They'll both make great revenue this year. There's no risk to me, but I just motivate them, cheer them on, give them skills, you know, find more deals to put in front of them, cheer them on. It needs to get done, but not by me. Cameron, can you speak to, to the deep work that you need to do? Because you're probably a really great thinker right now. When you said not work hard, we all get stuck in working hard and not working smart. But to be able to work smart, you really need to shut off the devices. You really need to think and really need. Can you speak to that? How do we get into that mindset? How do we get into that, that rhythm, I guess, or that routine? Well, it's different for everybody. You know, what the school system is, is how do we get in the routine, teach everybody the same thing, but it doesn't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. What works really well for me, I'm massively ADD. I have 17 of the 18 signs of attention deficit disorder. My ex-wife said if I was paying attention during testing, it would have been 18 for 18. <laughs> um, I'm also 11 of 11 traits for bipolar. So I'm clinically a disaster. So the way I, the way I work well is I find the time of day that I work really well and I work hard in those times. I also move. What time of day is that for you? Just out of curiosity. Uh, it's it's early mornings and it's late afternoon. I, I'm terrible from like 11 till three. And then I work terrible after like seven o'clock at night. But but early mornings, like 6.30 to like 9.30, 10, I can be in the zone. And then like from three until five o'clock, I can crank through some stuff. Mm. So I take time off in the middle of the day. I take time. I, I shut everything down at 5.30, 6 o'clock every day. I never work nights. Ever, and I never work weekends ever. I, and I take a lot of vacation time, uh, a lot. But I work when I work, I rework. The other thing is my ADD gets served by moving around. So I, I have six different areas in my home that I work. And I just stand up after 20 minutes and I move somewhere else. Because if I sit in the same place, my mind drifts, I wander, I get distracted by the all the stuff. But if I can go, okay, I need to move. 
I'll work on this project at that point. And that kind of feeds me as well. What about creativity though, from the moving around? Because I notice in, in myself when I'm in a stagnant environment, the creativity drops drastically. But if right. I mix that up, it, it seems to really come alive again. Do you see that as well? Absolutely. That's that's why that's why when when you're ADD, which most entrepreneurs are ADD, you um, and ADD is not a disorder; it's a superpower. My attention Ooh. deficit disorder shows me everything that's happening. I see what's happening at the time, my customers, my suppliers, the market. I notice trends. I see something wrong on a spreadsheet. I notice every little spelling mistake on a website, and I get so distracted by all the stuff that I have to delegate it quickly, mm. that it can get taken care of. So it's the superpower. If I'm so focused, I miss everything. So the school system taught us that the disorders of the entrepreneur were a problem, but there's not very many successful teachers as entrepreneurs. Right? You know I don't I don't want to model them. You know, it's crazy. Our kids just started school today. We homeschool our kids. And what you're discussing right now is my, none of my kids could sit for more than 20 minutes. I don't know whether they have ADD or they don't. I don't think children are supposed to sit for more than 20 minutes. And and I mean, like three hours done today. They went to, they went to singing lessons right now. They come back piano and I, I could, that's torture for them. I, I have a bouncy chair. So I have this, this stool that kind of bounces. <laughs> Like seven hundred dollars stool, but it's amazing. <laughs> and then I've got the Herman Miller Aeron chair that has like the back to it and is perfect. And then I have this long couch from Restoration Hardware where I can sit in and work. I have these these different areas that just feed me. That's awesome. So at least you know that you know your weaknesses and your superpowers. I think the other thing everyone needs to know is that the, the submodalities, whether you're a visual learner, an auditory learner, or a kinesthetic learner. For me, I need to touch. I need to see visually. If I hear an audiobook, Jake loves them. I just fall, go to sleep. I can use that as a third modality. <laughs> yeah. So let me let me tie into the learning cycle. So you mentioned auditory, visual, kinesthetic. That's mm-hmm. the, that's how we learn. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the learning cycle follows four models of learning. The first is what's called abstract conceptualization. So AC. That's when you learn a concept by reading, by watching, by by doing. You're mm-hmm. getting the concept. And then you have kind of the practicing or the active experimentation, AE. So you try it out, you practice it, you role play it with someone, you try it out in the mirror, whatever. And then you have the concrete experience from doing, right? You're going to learn from doing it. And then, and then you have the reflective observation, RO, and then you complete the, then you continue the cycle. So let's say we, I wanted to learn how to, um, you know, craft a good memo. I would read about crafting a memo and then I would practice writing a memo and then I would write a good memo. I have somebody critique it. And then I'd go back and go, where did it fuck up? And what would, and then I'd read about a memo from another group, right? Watch on how to write them. You kind of keep doing that cycle until you get enough proficiency, right? Whether you're that. learning how to paint a house or learning to be a better coach or learning about delegation. That's one that's part of the adult learning. So the four models, everybody act abstract conceptualization, active, experimentation, concrete experience, number three, and the number four is a reflective observation, which is almost like, yeah, it's almost like space repetition with Ken Blanchard talks about. You don't just do it once and forget about it. You have to space it out and keep doing the repetition and keep repeating it. That's very, very important. I love that. And then pivot as you go though too, right? Let's say you're going to go to a bank to, to, to establish like leasing or financing with a bank. You're going to read about it, right? Learn Mm -hmm. a little bit. That's the, then you're going to practice pitching maybe with your wife or a friend. So you're going to practice the pitch before you go into the banker. Then you're going to go do it. So you're going to, and then you're going to leave and go, what did I do wrong? What did I do well? What can I do better? Then I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch another video about pitching to a bank. And I'll read something about pitching to a bank. And I'll practice that. And I'll go pitch to the second bank. 
and you keep repeating the cycle and you get better and better and better and better. That is awesome. Thank you. No one ever told us that in school. And it's something that I think you're born with and maybe you're supposed to know something like that. But being being conscious and actually doing the work will make you a better student. I actually I launched I launched a course recently called Investing Leaders. And one of the 12 modules is on teaching. And in the teaching module, I talk about the, the three styles you mentioned, auditory, visual, kinesthetic, and the four cycles of learning. Is if you're going to teach your employees or if you're going to learn yourself, you need to understand this. Otherwise, people get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't I learn? Well, you don't learn from just reading the damn book. You also learn from then practicing it and then doing it and then thinking about what you did wrong and then reading something else, right? Mm-hmm. I always, by the way, and if I'm going to read a book, it's always tied to a project I'm working on this quarter. If I'm going to listen to a podcast, it's related to something I'm working on this quarter. I don't do stuff at random because mm-hmm. my learning has to be part of the concept that I'm going to be practicing. Love that. Yeah. Investinyourleaders.com. Go check yeah. it out. It's on his website. And also go check out CameronHerald.com forward slash books. He's got five or six of his books on there. They're amazing. I want to touch on Vivid Vision right now really quick because I read the book. And that's why I got excited to, you know, to re-interview you because we had John a couple of years ago. I've got my Vivid Vision here. This is for Q4. I, I don't want to uh, blast the Jake and Gino team do it yet. I had to pucker up a little bit as I'm writing it. It's a little scary. What's you're pucker pointing, up? What's pucker up? You know, you're just like, <laughs> you know what I mean, bro? You, yeah, you get a little scared because you're like, am I, can I do this? Am I, am I being too ostentatious? Am I being too grand? Now you're dropping the big words right now. Like that, going bro, after it. But no, I mean, like, you know, we're, we're taught, you know, as Christians to be have some type of humility. Who am I to say that I'm going to have a hundred thousand followers on this or this? So that sometimes it's a little scary to write it down. But Cameron, can you tell us what the vivid vivid vision is and why every entrepreneur needs to have their own vivid vision for their company? Sure. It's a concept that I learned from an Olympic coach almost 30 years ago, who was talking about how high-performance athletes visualize themselves performing the event. And what most entrepreneurs have right now is a vision statement or a mission statement, right? They get all their favorite words. They voted on their favorite words. They took five or six of them. They put them into one sentence. And that was the mission statement, right? Go team. It doesn't explain your company. Mm-hmm. The idea with a vivid vision is you're leaning out three years into the future, describing exactly how your business looks and acts and feels as if it's already come true. Almost like building a home. As a homeowner, I don't know how to build the home. I don't know how to do the electrical, the plumbing, the wiring. I don't know how to hang cabinets, but I know what I want it to look like. And if I can describe the finished home in enough detail to the contractor, the contractor can do the plans or the blueprints to make my vision of my home come true. If I then sign off on the blueprints and he signs off on the vision, he can hand the blueprints to the employees and they can build my dream home without ever talking to me. Mm-hmm. The vivid vision is the explanation of what your company looks like, acts like, and feels like. So your team can figure out how to make that come true. And your team can figure out what things to work on to build your business for you. It supercharges every company. I mean, it's awesome. On ours, we have core values, culture, content, media, systems, customer service, brand. And then I have the metrics at the end. Let me just share with you the culture. Our culture is a direct result of living our core values, which are people first, unwavering ethics, growth mindset, 
extreme ownership, make it happen. And the students that we have attract all know our core values and are attracted to the company culture. We hire all team members based on culture fits and look to promote members within the organization to higher positions. We promote a family type atmosphere within the organization and continue to stress the importance of communicating within the company. We adhere to the Rockefeller habits and are always looking to adding value to the other RAND family entities, which are other companies. We're working on a synergistic level with the RAND fam and the power wheel is is turning. Charity is extremely important to the company. We're all partners with the Second Harvest Food Bank of East Tennessee, helping to eradicate hunger. We host a yearly food drive and have employees participate in events. Jake and Gino is also focused on delivering scholarships to young adults who are looking to learn financial skills through the Personal Finance Academy. Finally, all of our team members are bought into the vehicle of financial education and real estate. There is constant growth and improvement throughout the company. Team leaders will always bring solutions to any problems that are confronted. As the leaders, it is our job to ask questions and work as a team to solve the challenges we face. Dude, I'm fucking vibrating, excuse the language, but like, that's awesome. Like that is written so perfectly. And that's only describing your culture. That's not describing your meetings yet, your leadership team, what your customers think. When people read the four pages describing your company, they can't help but want to work for you or work with you or support you or figure out how to help you make sentences of that come true. The the thing that I also love, I don't know if you saw me throw my finger up right away. When you read out your five, I think it was five core values, Mm -hmm. you crushed your core values. They're perfect. Most people mess up their core values. Yours are easy to understand. You kept the maximum to four or five core values. They don't need any explanation whatsoever. And I can guarantee you, if you read them out, you'd be willing to fire people if they broke them. We do. (laughs) That's the test. When you, yeah. and, and so that, that's the power of the vivid vision. Like I get so excited about your business now, just hearing the culture component. I want to know the rest of your business. When you share that with potential employees, they want to work for you or they read it and go, I don't want to be a part of this organization. Great. I'm glad I didn't waste my time with you. Right. When you, so our that- last hire, I just want to start to interrupt our last hire. We, we posted stuff like, you know, about the company like that on there. And she said, I, I thought you were describing me. Like I, I literally saw myself in that role. So it's like, a magnet. Do, yes, yes. hundred percent. What's beautiful is it also, someone else read it and go, this doesn't sound like me. Yes. So they didn't even bother applying, which is exactly what you want. Bankers will, will finance you based on your vivid vision, by the way. You'll get partners based on it. You'll get people selling you stuff because your vivid vision is so strong. Like it's incredible how it becomes a magnet for everything around your business. And what 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 what's missing? People know of the book Traction. Gino Wickman did a really good job with the book yep. Traction. But the Vision Traction Organizer is only ten goals. Ten goals is not the same as a four or five page description of your company. Mm-hmm. You can take the vivid vision. And then do your vision traction organizer and then your L10 meetings, everything else to make it come true. The vivid vision is what was missing with Rockefeller habits from Bern Harnish and scaling up. It's what was missing in traction. It's what missing. In, it's, it's, and we've done them all. And so I, I completely agree because we've done both programs to be honest. I'm friends with them. I've known yeah. Bern for 25 yeah. years. You know, and I are in strategic version yeah. of Abundance 360 together. Like it's just that one missing piece that then yeah. their systems help you make it come true. 
that one missing piece is huge, everybody. And I'm not a rocket scientist by any stretch of the imagination. That's why the book really helped me out. Is it easy? Absolutely not, because it's really thought provoking. We, we, we already worked on it. We already had our core values. All I did was read the book. And then I just sat down going through the content, going through the metrics we want, going through the systems that we have, our customer service. We want to have a customer experience officer whose job is to continue to create amazing experiences for our community. We want to have media, what we're focusing on. So I think sharing it, if you're a syndicator, if if you're you know, out there trying to raise capital, you give this to your investors as well, because they're going to want to invest with you. I mean, they want to know you first. They want to be able to trust you. So I think if you can share your vivid vision with the other investors out there, hey, you're going to be raising capital. It'll, it'll be knocking down your doors to get to be part of I your just, company. Gino, I just shared a, a couple of links with you. You can take a look at the later, but it, take a look at some of the examples of some good visions that a friend of mine, Jennifer Hootie and her team have written for hundreds of companies. When you add your graphic design elements to it and get a writer to polish it, make it pop off the page, and you share your actual designed vivid vision that looks and feels like your brand, watch what happens to the growth of your company then. It, it, it literally explodes. And we, we need this because we, we, we're financial stewards. We're teaching people how to become financially free, and we want to attract the right people. We don't want to get somebody who's thinking they're going to become rich in 18 months. This is a process. We have a 100-year brand where we're talking about long-term growth mindset. So if somebody's coming here and wants to sell crypto and be a trader, that's not really our that's not really our. Or they our can't persona. commit. Right. This is not the get rich quick overnight kind of thing. This is a yeah. long term. Yeah. Yep. So once again, I'm going to tell you really everybody out there, pick up the Vivid Vision book, do work on yourself, do work on your company. And I think it's in the long term, it'll save you thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars because you'll be hiring the right. You won't be on 30 interviews. You'll be on three interviews because the wrong people won't even be applying. So uh, huge tip. Your next book, Meetings Suck. Let's talk about that real quick, because I think that's an important component. Everything, as I was talking before, I love our meetings. We're dialed in. Our yeah. employee that hired that got hired about three months ago, she was on our first weekly huddle. After the call, she's like, I can't believe this meeting. You guys have actually gotten shit done. You, it was an enjoyable <laughs> meeting. And, and there was there was actually goals. There was actually stuff that was done. She goes, my other companies, we just sat there for an hour. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. There was no goals. There was nothing. There was, it was just a completely different thing. And I think that book meeting stock is great. Well, thank you. So, and, and meeting, the reality is a meeting is anytime two or more people get together on the phone or over video or in person to discuss and move something forward. Mm -hmm. The reality is you have to have meetings, no matter what company you're in, you're going to talk to other people to move things forward. So you either have a choice. You're either going to have shitty meetings or you're going to have very highly effective meetings. Mm -hmm. So years ago, I was coaching a company. I'd coached them for six years from about 42 people up to 700 employees called Blue Grace Logistics. And I was speaking with Bobby Harris, who is the CEO of Blue Grace. And he said something about our meetings suck. And I said, well, have you ever trained your employees on how to run good meetings? And he said, no. And I said, have you ever trained your employees on how to show up and attend and participate in a meeting? He said, no. I said, well, meetings don't suck. You suck at running meetings. And he started laughing. And then I went off the top of my head. I said, if we ever sent our kid off to play Little League Baseball, right? And we didn't teach him how to hold the, the, the glove and how to catch a ball and how to toss a ball and how to hold the bat. They would go to their first night at Little League and they'd come home and go, Daddy, baseball sucks. No, Johnny, you suck at baseball, right? So we teach them the basics so that they can go and have a good basic experience at baseball. And yet we have employees running meetings or showing up at meetings every day. On average, employees spend one to two hours of every eight-hour day in meetings. On the phone, in video, or in person, one to two hours. 
So they're spending between 12% and 25% of their day doing stuff they have no training at. What the fuck are we doing? Like, it makes no sense why you wouldn't have every employee read the book Meeting Suck and do a five-minute book report on what they learned. That alone, spend 15 bucks is going to supercharge the growth of them for a year. So for me, I've always looked at my job as a leader is to grow the skills and the confidence of my employees. The more I grow their confidence, the more they'll grow their skills. The more they grow their skills, the more it grows their confidence. The more like I'm like, trying to ladder them up. So I, I just keep investing in giving them the skills at all areas of their job. Again, that invest in your leaders course. There's a, a module on meetings. There's a module on interviewing. Like every, all these managers do job interviews, but they've never been trained on how to do an interview. Of course, you get shitty employees if you don't know how to interview them. Coaching, delegation, time management, email management, like all the, have you guys ever been trained on how to manage emails? Nope. But you manage email all day long. So you don't, you're doing something you don't even know how to do it. Yeah. Like one, no, but there's, there's actually a methodology. There's a methodology for managing things, time management, product management, conflict managers, methodologies that are used by the best companies on the planet. What I wanted to do is give like the very simple versions because I was the simple guy that's how I built 1-800-JUNK because I trained all of our employees on how to actually run a company. Our business wasn't about junk removal. Our business was on how fast we, t- I went from 14 employees to 3,100 employees in six years. That's tough to, with no debt and we gave up no equity. So that's tough to execute that, but you do it by growing people. 14 employees to 3,100, you said? Yeah. <laughs> in five years? Six and a half. I think so back wow. now, I'm like, what the hell was they doing? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> well, the, the, cool, the cool part about it is you, you kept your autonomy. I mean, there's no debt. There's no equity. I mean, it's it's basically yeah. keeping it for yourself. That's a very challenging thing to do. Yeah, we went from $2 million to $106 million in six years. They're now $450 million company. Wow. And so so you got Vivid Vision. You're planning your vision. You got meetings suck. You're planning your meetings What's before we get to the short answer questions, what's something else that entrepreneurs or someone trying to build a business should focus on? Their confidence. Because you know, every day you're you're bumping up to another problem, another issue, an audit, a bank that says no, a customer, somebody quits, my dog's sick. Like you got to keep your confidence level up. And you, you know, you mentioned that as Christians, you know, we're taught to, to be humble, humility and confident, like confidence a point is really good when you get to the cocky zone. That's not what you want, but protecting your confidence is really, really powerful, really powerful. You know, the affirmations, the visualizations, the good exercise, the healthy, healthy eating, the hanging out with successful people, hanging out with people like in masterminds and coaching. Um, if you hang out with negative people, you, you just get more of that, right? Mm-hmm. You have to protect your confidence as an entrepreneur. Well, I just, I like to reiterate what I, what I said. I, what I should have said was that and also becoming a person of character. You know, Stephen Covey talks character versus personality ethic. We're, we're right now the guides on our, on our podcast. We're not the heroes. Everyone listening to the show is the hero. So it's not about us. It's about us trying to help others. And it's trying, as we get older, trying to remove the ego from everything. Because, you know, Ray Dalio says that egos and blind spots will kill you. And that's very hard. When you're younger, you're thinking about an ego. How much money can I make? And it's all about me. And yeah, Ray- Ray's book right there. I mean, Jake loves it. That's why I like to Hey, listen, him. it's not about new stuff all the time. I went through that book probably three times. I've read Atlas Shrugged about three times. It's stuff uh, that love- actually makes an impact on your life, right? Mm-hmm. And so Atlas Shrugged is Atlas Shrugged is why I'm moving offshore right now, sadly. Yeah. 
I'm legally I'm legally off the grid in in uh, five weeks. Wow. Economic deserters. All right, gang, let's take a quick time out to hear from our sponsor. Are you looking for ways to improve your life? Here at Jake and Gino, our mission is to empower students through financial education and the vehicle of multifamily investing. Yes, Jake. We agree that a person with financial intelligence can change the world for the better. We've created our proprietary three-step framework, buy right, manage right, and finance right, that we teach to our community. This framework, along with education, our one-on-one mentorship, on-site boot camps, and the amazing community has propelled our students to massive success. We've all been there. We've had so many students that have been able to shift their mindset, overcome limiting beliefs, and set a clear path to achieve their goals. Whether you're currently fixing and flipping, wholesaling, or buying single-family rentals, and you know that multifamily investing is the right vehicle for you, I encourage you to visit jakeandgino.com forward slash apply to schedule your complimentary consultation with our team. And I want to let you know, this isn't a high pressure sales call. It's really just a discovery call to get to know each other better and see if we're a good fit for working together. And if for any reason we're not a good fit, our team has tons of resources we will share with you to help you along your journey. If you're ready to stop spinning your wheels, go to jakeandgino.com forward slash apply and schedule your call now. All right, we're back. You were talking uh, habits a minute ago, kind of, you know, what makes a successful entrepreneur protecting the confidence. Is there a habit um, that you do on a daily or weekly basis that has really impacted your life that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, um, unplugging and, and realizing that I'm not going to get it all done. That when, when entrepreneurs say, I'm just working tonight to catch up, you're lying because you're going to work tomorrow night and the next night and the next night. You're not catching up. You're just working too much. Mm-hmm. And the reality is you're never going to get the whole list done because as soon as you do, you'll buy another property, you'll add more employees, you'll have bigger goals. Constant improvement doesn't allow for that. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah. what you need to do is, is Parkinson's law says that work expands to fill the space that you give it. Give yourself a container of like, you know, eight till four or nine till three, like give yourself five or six hours a day to work and really work in that period of time and unplug and, and, and delegate. And work on the critical few things and and get some exercise. Like I'm I'm hanging out with my kids today. I'm working out with my personal trainer tonight. I've got a two-hour physical this afternoon with a professional doctor group. Like I I take time off every single day. I only allow myself to work one night per quarter to actually catch up for like a critical project. And I just don't, I take a lot of vacation time, but it allows me to delegate everything except genius. I think more entrepreneurs need to, you know, there's not a single athlete in the world that performs in their sport for 60 hours a week. There's not an athlete on the planet that does that. They cross train, they practice, they take up time off, they relax. Even the most overworked athletes like baseball players that do like 180 games a year, which is insanity. They're not really sitting there playing full out the whole game. Right. Yeah. I think, I think especially the old guys used to smoke cigarettes and drink while they're doing it. It just helped get them through. <laughs> yeah. so, those are the good old days. Hey, I, I know you're a global guy, um, but uh, something that's really, and you may or may not have an answer for this, but your take and specifically in the U S on the current labor shortage, and you're hearing this liberals are saying jobs are not there, uh, you know, because they're, the wages are not there and, and the pay is not there. And the conservatives are saying that the government is paying people to stay home. I don't know if either are correct, and I haven't got a straight answer from anyone yet, but right now, it's extremely hard to hire. What's your take on that? 
um, if you have one, and then a potential solution going yeah, I was, forward. I was speaking to somebody yesterday, and I said, if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. And and he laughed, and he said, yeah, and, and I'm also delegating to midgets and expecting them to dunk basketball. So you need to decide what stuff needs to get done, and what's the proper amount of pay to attract really good people who can actually do it, and get more A players and more really good salt. So A players are racehorses, B players are workhorses. C players have to go to the glue factory. Most companies have too many C players taking up some of their payroll. And if you could pay people a little bit more and get true A's and B's, you don't need 50 people. You need 30. So you can pay a bit more. We, there is massive inflation right now. Like I don't know if you've been to a restaurant recently, but holy crap, food just got real expensive in restaurants. Like mm-hmm. you, know, you used to pay 40 bucks for a great steak. Now it's like $62. Like really? Like lattes are like $7.80. Like everything is expensive. And guess what? Labor is expensive now too. If well, you're 20% not, of the, the money supply in the US or 25 has been printed in the last three this years. Year, right? So if so you're not prepared yeah. to pay a lot more for labor, like if you're not prepared to pay 30, 40% more than you did 10 years ago, you're getting crappy employees. So, and yes, the minimum wage is up and government subsidies are up. So you got to pay more. But pay more. But where but, did where did the job like where did they go though? Because I, I was reading something yesterday. A that, lot of there's a lot of freelancers right now. There's a is lot. That okay. Yeah, there's a lot of employees that no longer will work for. But the reality is, you don't need to have employees 50 hours a week working for you coming to your stupid office anyway. What you need is these tasks done. People who are around the world, like my my employees right now. I've got two that live in Canada, one that lives in Texas, one that's in Kenya, one that's in um, Arizona. Like, I, I don't even care where they live. I had one guy, I didn't realize he was in Texas for like a full year. I thought he lived in California. But so we need to get stuff done. Use And, and a, there's a lot of people freelancing. There's a lot of people that are in the gig economy that are doing their job for six companies, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think we need to adapt to that very quickly. I read a saying years ago, if the rate of change outside your business is greater than the rate of change inside your business, you're out of business. And I think there's a lot of companies out there right now that are not adapting fast enough to this change that's happening. So what they're saying is there's not enough employees. Yeah, there are. They just don't want full-time jobs. They want 12 hours a week for you, which you should be fine with if you can figure out. And no great employees are going to work for an average company because the bar has gone up. There's a lot of great companies out there hiring fractional people, freelance people, remote people, and the great people want to work for them. The average people are out there looking at average companies. Mm-hmm. So you need to be better than the average. You need yeah, to be it's just better. it's just wild because from 2019 going into COVID, going into 2021, the the labor and the hiring landscape has got flipped upside down. And I'm yeah. still like I'm I'm sort of mentally getting there and we're and we're trying to pivot and and, and change, you know, to make ourselves more attractive and, and, and all these things. But it is it is definitely different. Yeah. No one's going back to an office. There's no one yeah. in Gen, no one in Gen Y wants to spend 25 minutes driving to somebody's crappy office and have to go to the same place and spend that's just not what they want anymore. But your your take is a uh, people seeking more autonomy in their lives. It sounds yeah. like with the gigs and them. Yeah. yeah. It's the gigs, the freelancers and living everywhere. Again, yeah. I've got one of my guys. He's like, I think you're going to go live in Barbados for six months with my my family, my wife and daughter. I'm like, great. As long as you do it your job, I don't care where you live. Big, you're big on scale and, and teams and all this. What is someone? You know, there we have a lot of folks. You know, growing in, into multifamily or starting out in multifamily. Best tip, and and you've owned real estate for someone starting to scale an investment business. Um, it's to remember that you have three inputs 
in your business. You have your people. It might just be yourself, a couple of employees or freelancers. You have time, like days and weeks and months ahead of you. And then you have your money. And you need to get the highest return on those three inputs, right? Highest return on investment. So I think in real estate, you talk about cap rate, right? Your money has to be working for you to get you some kind of a return. But you need to get the same kind of cap rate off your time. Like if you're working 50, 60 hours a week, are you getting the right cap rate equivalent, right? Mm -hmm. And and if you've got employees, you're getting the right cap rate. And I don't think people think about that. They spend a lot of time doing the extraneous, the frivolous, the non-result activities. So spend your time like you spend your money and get your people doing the things that are going to get you the highest return. And I think that's how you get scale. So it's it's ROI and people, money, and time then. Yeah. Are you maximizing? Are you getting the return on on your time? I think the money thing is is for multifamily because we're so KPI-based that that's that's pretty easy. You can say like you guys, you know, profit you guys per understand. Unit. Yeah, but a yeah. lot of entrepreneurs don't understand that one, right? They'll yeah. They'll invest 50 grand on a marketing project, but they won't invest 50 in a person where you guys understand the money side. I think yeah. it's about understanding the people and the time yeah. side. Enough return off of that. Yeah. No, I think that that's, that's really interesting. I appreciate that. Um, what project are you excited about right now? My CEO Alliance. I'm really focused on growing the only real network in the world for the second in command. You know, there's all these mastermind groups for CEOs. You got YPO and EO and Vistage, Genius Network and Maverick and Baby Bathwater and GoBundance and all these amazing groups for entrepreneurs, but there and there are groups for marketers and engineers and lawyers. So I started one five years ago called the COO Alliance, and I've got members now from 17 countries, and we're just scaling that up. As it's no entrepreneurs are allowed to join; it's only second in commands. Entrepreneur says, "Hold my beer." You you get no training, but I'm taking it all, right? <laughs> Entrepreneurs are different. They're a different breed, right? They're a different yeah, DNA. Yeah. The, the operators, the integrators, need to have their time to discuss. Like they want to talk about interviewing for eight hours. For an entrepreneur, interviewing is like a, a three minute discussion. Yeah, but 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 for the COOs, they want to talk about all the interview questions and the reference checks and the the process and the 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 rating of the resumes and like how do we bring them through and the reverse funnels like so I need we need a place for them. Cameron, can you answer this question for me? Because I, I struggle with this, and people say you're the one or the other. Can you be an entrepreneur, a visionary, and an integrator? Because for me, it seems like I, I yes. go between the both because yeah. I can be visionary, but then again, I like to get into the weeds also. But I I, I can see the vision and I, and I can see going on to the future and the refine role and scaling the company. But at the same time. Well, you you like to get into the weeds for 20 minutes, but then after 20 minutes, you get bored of the weeds and you want to delegate. That's the entrepreneurial visionary integrator. So what happens is that as you scale and grow your company, you start realizing that we start getting in our way. You know, that the the entrepreneur, we need to get into the weeds for a while, but then we start pissing our employees off. So that explains true. everything because so I fucking, fucking hate true. Asana. I hate Slack. Facebook right. can can screw off. I can right. be on there for t- all right. You explain something. It's an aha moment for me right there. Woo. See, like I, I remember I I started coaching entrepreneurs before coaching existed. So I was co- real. So I started coaching entrepreneurs in 1989. I'd coached 120 entrepreneurs, including Kimball Musk, Elon's brother, in 1993. The International Federation of Coaches and Coach U started in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. So I've been around this entrepreneurial DNA for a long time. They're very, very different breed to a professionally managed CEO of a company. The entrepreneurial DNA 
is that com combination of visionary integrator. And you get to a point where now you have a management team. What okay. you want to start doing is releasing yourself of stuff that you're not great at. And, and it doesn't give you energy. And, and it's pissing people off. And you start delegating everything except genius. And then you stay in your zone. I'm just, just laughing because when he was talking about, you know, like we, we have our like CEO, Jennifer, who, you know, when we started to talk about hiring and things, it's so spot on because I'm like, here's what we, we got to do. Let's, let's do this. But then she'll, you know, if you start getting into those questions about what the hiring looks like and stuff, I'm like, boom, end it now. Put me on misery because it's just not my space. Have you guys done the Colby? Have you done your Colby A profiles? Have you done that, Gino? No, we have so not. Your, your Colby profiles are probably like 4393. You're very high quick start entrepreneurs. Her yeah. Colby profile is probably a very high first two numbers. High fact finder, meaning she needs to ask a bunch of questions to start a project, or she needs to put the system and playbook in place before she starts the project. You guys start the project and figure it out as you go. <laughs> it's exactly 100%. 100%. So hardcore, what is the, the, the disc, right? So I'm a yes, hardcore high D, D, high I. And she's, she's a high I, right? Do you know I, that's a, yeah. Yeah, I'm so. a 98D. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, if you keep going off the like straight away center field, that's my, my D lands and she's over right. on the I side. So this, this is Jake in a nutshell. Okay. He reads two sentences of an email. Number one. Number two is don't give me the problem. I want the solution. If you're going to come with a problem, right away, come, come with the solution. Exactly. And yeah. don't draw it out. I mean, this is not drama. Let's just get oh, to do it. Do not and start an email with you won't believe this fucking happened. You tell me what happened because I don't want the lead up. I'll fucking freak out on you. So. Right, but what Jennifer, Jennifer needs yeah, is yeah. to just give you more of the details. What you need is the bottom line. Yeah. The biggest gift you can give to Jennifer, by yes. the way, your COO, is to say, do you have any other questions? You're so right. Because she, she, it's it's so important for her to get the stuff out. She and it's so hard for me to receive. Yes. And she needs to catch up with you. So you just say, do you have any other questions? It allows her to ask two or three more questions to catch up. And then she can go and run with it. Yeah. So Jake, it's all about the five languages of appreciation with Dr. Chapman did the five love languages. I just interviewed Dr. White yesterday as well. I got to send that recording over to you and you're going to like the languages of appreciation, bro. I also words like of the five love languages inside business are actually uh -huh. true. Like mine are words of affirmation and physical touch. Mm -hmm. When I was building 1-800- That's going to get you in trouble there, Quo. <laughs> No, like a high, high, five, high, five, high five or a hug or a pat yes. on the back. Or, yeah, that that was huge yeah. for me. And yeah. then a great job with the whatever was huge for me. That fed me. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When awesome. you understand, this is, it's so important to do these things with your leadership team. Like I like doing one profile per year. You know, this year, let's just do Colby. Next year, let's do disc. Next year, let's do love languages. But every year, let's learn more about each other so that we become a higher functioning team. If but. folks want to learn more about the CO Alliance, uh, where can they go to find out more about that? Yeah, COOalliance.com is the, okay. the main website for that. Gino, why don't, why don't you take us home here? This has been an uh, interesting little journey. I'm, gonna, I'm going to, before I do, read Vivid Vision. He has his Vivid Vision of his CO Alliance in there. That's where I got a lot of it. And it's rip off and duplicate. Just, just look, use the verbiage that he has in here. He's done the work for you. Just spend a couple hours to get clarity on what your mission is. It's really important, Jake. Wow, this could be a like a one hour wrap up of this show. But real quick, I mean, going from 14 employees to 3,106 and a half years, that was, that was a little nuts. You know, growing, <laughs> growing an amazing company, I, you know, sucky in school. I don't know what else to say. And it's pretty funny. The three of us probably resonate with that as well being the oddball man out, learning how to become an entrepreneur, 
coaching entrepreneur since 1989. I didn't know that. That's an amazing thing. I was doing it before there was a thing. That's pretty cool, everybody. And just writing five amazing books, Meeting Suck, Vivid Vision, Double Double. I mean, there's so much content on Cameron's site. Go to CameronHerald.com. And, you know, there's no excuse because right now that is the blueprint to becoming an entrepreneur. As far as I'm concerned, I ask, how do you start? The way you start is go to the website and start reading the books and start immersing yourself with somebody who's been doing it for the last 30 plus years. You know, and here's here's the truth. Can we one second? Very important. Education times action equals results. That'll get you in the game. That'll get you your first deal. Getting educated on cap rates, you know, getting educated to the Jake and Gino community, all this stuff we teach. But I don't care if you're a syndicator. I don't care if you own an operated property management company. Working with someone like Cameron so you understand people, systems, and culture, once you get that deal is everything. It's two mm-hmm. parts, folks. It's a business. Okay. So, you know, we, we can get you, you know, into that deal and, and help you with the management stuff. But that people side, that's where someone like Cameron comes in to pull it through the rest of the way. It's vitally important. Yeah. I, I think to remember that this is not an overnight thing. Yeah. You don't start a business and be successful a week later. Like people would be like, oh my gosh, look how great one hundred got junk was. It took a long time to get to the night before we were the overnight success story. <laughs> you know, like yep. the, the 14 employees to 3,100 employees didn't happen in the first week, in the first month, in the first year. Like it was 2 million to 4 million, 4 to 8, 8 to 16, 16 to 32, to 64 to 106. Like it took time, but then all of a sudden the momentum, like build like the snowball when you mm. so just remember that every day you're getting the progress. Every day you try to do three big things that are going to move your company a little bit more forward. And then you know, three things times 250 business days is 750 things a year. But it takes time. 100 year mindset, Gino. Long term thinker all day, every day. Cameron, thank you so much. Love the shirt. Gino, yours is not bad either. Gentlemen, have a great afternoon. Thanks, Thanks guys. Everybody. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our other podcast streaming platforms. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.